and help me welcome our teacher, Reverend Stephen Blacksmith, to share the word. I love you, man. I love you too, man. God bless you guys. Please be seated. <clears throat> Can we bring me down just a smidge? Thanks. Well, um, yeah, Garrett, Garrett summed up our, our, our theme for this year pretty well, um, which was the first six minutes, so that's shaved, shaved off some for me. Thanks. Um, yeah, we, so we started last week with this Blueprints of a Disciple series, right? Um, and Garrett kicked it off with Loving God. And um, at, at, here at Grace this year, we're committed to growing as disciples. That's what we want to do. It's what we want to be about. It's who we are, and it's how we want to live. It's how we want other people to live as well. Um, it's what Jesus Christ commanded us to do, right? In Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 19, he's, Jesus Christ is talking to a group of disciples, and he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Right? This is what Jesus Christ instructed disciples to do, is go make more. And we focused on three important components of discipleship, and those are to love God, to love people, and to serve the world. Okay? At a high level, we've stated that to love God, Garrett uh, taught on this last week, was to make the choice to seek God's will above our own. That we give God our yes, and that what you want to do, God, I want to do, and I'm ready to do it today. To love people is the desire to see the best for someone better than me. Right? Like, I care about you more than I care about my comfort. Um, as an example, right, uh, my desire to see you grow in your fullest potential in Christ outweighs my sleep schedule. So if you need someone to pray with you or to talk to until the wee hours of the morning, your need is more important than my sleep because I love you. And then finally, to serve the world. And this is the naturally occurring action of loving people. And Bob will get into this more next week. This week, we're going to talk about love. So let's look at it a little bit. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says... Oh, that's verse 4. Verse 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Do you know what this means? It means it's not about me. Okay? Say this with me. It's not not about me. Okay? It is about the other people in your life. It is about the people that you're around. It is not about me. It is about you. Now, verse 4 says that we're to... Uh, look not only to our own interests, but also to the interest of others, right? When we consider our own interest, it's not just our own. The interest of others comes into our thoughts as well. Okay, my desire to see you grow outweighs my personal comfort. That means that I don't mind looking foolish to pray for you in public if my desire for you is deliverance, right? I want to see the best for you. And so if, if prayer is going to be What brings you from where you're at to where you need to be, I will pray for you without the care of what I look like in the process. Right, if I had plans to lay around all afternoon 
and somebody had a need, well, then my plans just changed because I love you. Love is the motivator to do the action. The act is love. I'm sorry, the, the motivator is love and the action is service. Verse, uh, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus Christ said, when the Pharisee, uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus Christ is talking and a Pharisee heard that he had, that Jesus Christ had silenced the Sadducees and so they gathered together. And one of them was a lawyer and he asked, he asked Jesus Christ a question to test him. And he said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Right? So we love God and we love our neighbors. Well, who are our neighbors? Right? Literally the people right around us, the people in your vicinity. And that will change when you move. Right? When you're here, the people in your vicinity will be different than later when you're at Target and you've got a different group of people, unless we all do a big group thing. That would be cool, I guess. But the point is that your neighbor will vary, right? So this instruction to love your neighbor applies wherever you are, right? At the store, the cashier is your neighbor. At the airport, the guy with his shoes off sitting next to you is your neighbor. When you're at a car dealership and you are looking the salesperson in the face as they lie to you about the undercoat, neighbor, right? And what's the instruction? See, the instruction doesn't change based on the circumstance. The instruction is very clear. Jesus Christ said, love. When you're at work and someone is loudly arguing you against you and they're wrong, neighbor, our job remains the same no matter what. Love. Jesus Christ made it very clear that these are of prime importance. Right? You cannot very well adhere to the law if you can't do these two things. But if you do these two things, what do you suppose falls right in place behind them? The rest of the law. In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul uh, writes a letter... uh, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, and in chapter 12, um, it's, it's pertaining to spiritual gifts and the fivefold or the five gift ministries. And he closes chapter 12 in verse 31 by saying, earnestly desire the higher gifts, right? By that he meant the gifts of man, the, the manifestations of Holy Spirit and the five gift ministries. And I will show you still a more excellent way. So push after these things. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, those are the five ministries. Speaking in tongues with interpretation, prophecy, uh, gifts of healing, miracles, uh, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning spirits, those are the manifestations, right? Push after those things, want those things, learn those things, get comfortable with those things, but I will show you still a more excellent way. And verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 1 starts with the way of love. Verse 1 says, if I speak with the tongue of men and angels and I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I have away and I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. 
See, the more perfect way is love in terms of displaying God's power and nature. It is more effective than the gifts of Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues and interpretation is great and prophecy is excellent. And we heard messages from God today. However, the more excellent way is not that, it is love. Love is the more excellent way to reflect God. Chapter 13 goes on to highlight some of the characteristics of love in verse 4. It says that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, it hopes all things, and endures all things. In the first part of verse 8, love never ends. In the NASB, the, National, uh, the New American Standard Bible, that verse 4 is translated, love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, which sounds a lot like that verse in Philippians 2, right? It's not about me. Love doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. And in verse 5 in the NIV, it says it keeps no record of wrong. I have kept a record of wrong before, but love does not keep a record of wrong. This is the reflection of God that Jesus Christ lived. Two weeks ago when Bob was sharing on Jesus Christ being the ultimate example of life, it's because he reflected this very nature. The nature of the unseen God is love. Love is the motivation to do well. It is not the action, it is the condition that drives the action. In 1 Timothy verse 5, it, uh, Chapter 1, verse 5, it says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Right last week when Garrett was teaching us about loving God, we were to pursue God with a loving, pure, with a pure heart. The instruction is that love comes from a pure heart with a good conscience. Now when we start talking about loving people, it gets real fast, right? Because people by nature tend to be messy. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But keep in mind, our instruction is love regardless. In January, the last time I, I was up here, we looked at specific training. And then as, as a disciple, we looked at this verse in 2 Timothy in uh, chapter 3, verse 16. It says that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That training is the word instruction, okay? It teaches us. God's word teaches us righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be equipped and completed for every good work. I believe that there is no argument that loving people is a good work, right? So you have been equipped and positioned in such a way to love people regardless of the mess. I want you to know that because we're going to get into some things that are maybe going to be challenging, but you have to understand that love is beyond the mess. The desire for people to, to see people do well and be well is greater than the baggage they may bring because God is greater than the baggage they bring. The blood of Jesus Christ is greater than the baggage that they bring. You can love people without the risk of being hurt. I'm going to say that again. 
you can love people without the risk of being hurt. The love that we're encouraged to is not a function of you. True love, the nature of God reflected by you, is an extension of God through you. If love was just what we could produce in a moment for a person over a period of time, it would be variable and finite based on circumstance. But God's love is not. I think back to when I was younger, right in junior high and high school, how relationships and friendships came and went so very easily. Best friends with the kid down the block until you drop his Lego build and then he doesn't talk to you for five years. Right? (laughs) That's not love the way God loves. The relationship like that is fickle and it's based simply on what you can bring or what you can receive from the relationship. But that's not love. In Matthew chapter 14, uh, we'll start on verse 13 now. Um, This is just after Jesus Christ found out that John the Baptist, his cousin, and the man that went before him prophesying him, um, a a co-laborer for God's kingdom, had been murdered. Okay, so Jesus Christ, understandably, he goes off, and when Jesus Christ heard this, heard about John the Baptist's murder, he withdrew from there, and, and he went into a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, They followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw the crowd and he had great compassion on them and he healed their sick. He did not lash out. He did not play the victim card. He didn't say, look guys, I need a time out so I'm going off grid for a bit. He went ashore. He saw the crowd. He hurt for the crowd and he healed them. It could have been very easy for him to get off that boat and project his pain to people that he didn't know. To get up and brandish some scathing sermon about evil and seduction and murder. He could have. And who would have blamed him, right? But he didn't. Because he wasn't hurt by people. He was hurt for people. See, love begets a transformation, that love that Jesus Christ had for people, translated from hurt to healing. Love sets the stage for greater things. Love becomes the defining characteristic of a person instead of their sin. Love is what allows you to move past sin and on to healing. In Luke chapter 23... After he'd been arrested and tried as a criminal and sentenced to death by popular opinion and beaten and humiliated and stripped and finally crucified, while he watched the men that did these things to him roll dice for his garments, Jesus Christ said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, love set the stage for forgiveness. Jesus Christ wasn't hurt by these people. He hurt for these people. That is the nature of God reflected in life. And it's completely available. That sounds intense, right? I don't know if I could do that. We don't have to. 
right? Your strength is not your strength in your own. The joy of the Lord is your strength, right? The joy of the Lord has facilitated you to do these things. Just like in 2 Timothy, right? God has equipped us for his good works. In Acts, there's a record of a man named Stephen. He started out as a servant in the church. He set up meeting rooms. He put up tables for Peter and the gang to meet at. He grew into that role. And in chapter 6, verse 8, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. He matured into a great man of God. Verse 9, Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Syrians and the Alexandrians and those from Sicilia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit which he was speaking. So they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And so they stirred up people and the elders and the scribes and they came to him and they seized him and they brought him to the high council. And they set him up as a, they set up false witnesses against him and they said, this man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and charge, uh, change the customs that Moses delivered to us. In verse 15, and gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. In verse 1 of chapter 7, the high priest said, are these things so? And then Stephen launches into this wonderful speech, um, starting at Abraham and chronicling all that God did and all of his involvement all the way up to David. Right? He went Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Aaron all the way to David and how God walked with these men and delivered these men and pointed to a greater thing. And then he you know, gets a little confrontational. He calls them stiff-necked, calls them uncircumcised, which is basically to say, look, you don't have a relationship with the real God. You've got a relationship with your law, and that doesn't count, which obviously would frustrate, you know, People who devoted their life, exactly. People who devoted their life to that law were, were not too pleased, as recorded. Verse 54 of chapter uh, 7 says, Now they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth. Like, they couldn't say anything, right? Because he's right. But they're mad. Verse 59, we jump down, they start stoning him. They take him out of the city, they stone him. And as they're stoning him, he calls out, Lord, receive my spirit. And verse 60, and falling on his knees, he cried with a loud voice, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. There is nothing that can happen in your life to you that can't be responded to in love. For both Jesus Christ and Stephen, love was the motivator for forgiveness. And God has poured love into our hearts so that we can be transformed by love for the purpose of love. This is what you are for. This is your purpose. Love is what allows us to value people the way that God values people, the way that Jesus Christ valued people. And we have the fullest extent of love available to us. Love is the motivator to do well. And if Laura cheated on me and I responded to that situation in anger, that's a sin that's already happened. So what can I do? 
I have two options. I really do. I can respond in anger, and that's going to accomplish nothing. Or I can respond in love, and what that will do is set the opportunity for both her and our relationship to be reconciled and healed. I cannot allow myself to be hurt by people. You cannot allow yourself to be hurt by people. You cannot allow yourself to let people's actions hurt you. See, people don't hurt you. People's actions hurt you. People don't disappoint you. People's actions disappoint you. And until you remove that person from that action, you will, ever, you will forever moniker that person in a way that is unfair and unjust and ungodly. See, if Jesus Christ's blood separated that sin from them, you can too. I will be the last person to hold a charge against somebody that Jesus Christ said is forgiven and I love. That's love, people. That's what loving people looks like. You can't do wrong in my eyes because all I see is Jesus Christ. All I desire is the best for you. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus Christ says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And by this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. People will know that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ because of your love. Not because you tell them, not because you pray well, not because you stand on a stage, not because you perform miracles and healings, but because of the way you live your life. Because the way you live your life is not about me. It's about you. Because your life is a reflection of God's nature. That is what draws people in. That is what proves that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus Christ says that to whom much is given, much is required. You have been given an unlimited surplus of love. And the world desperately needs this. Our source is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and that fountain is not running dry. Love people with no expectation of reciprocation. Love people with no expectation of reciprocation. That means I don't need you to love me for me to love you. If you walk out of here and say, that guy is full of it and I hate his guts, that's fine, I still love you because that's my job and I understand my job. I love you. And when I say that, it is not a platitude, people. I love you. God is for us. Garrett taught us that last week. God is for us. We can translate that and be for people. Go be for people. Yeah? Go love people this week, guys. Thank you so much, God, for being good and for being mighty and strong. And Father, thank you that you don't change. Thank you, God, that you are as constant yesterday and today and tomorrow. Thank you, God, that your love for us is never failing. Father, thank you that when we blow it, you don't see the mistake, God. You see your kids dedicated to you. Thank you that that doesn't change, God. Thank you that we can love people that way. Thank you, God, that when we look at people this week, we see Christ. We see the potential for Christ, Father. And if they're unsaved, that's fine, God, because we see the potential that you have in them. We don't see the mistakes, Father. We don't see the people. We see your heart for them. Thank you, God, for transforming our eyes so that we can love people. In Jesus Christ's name, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. Amen.
All right, would you all please stand and join us to sing until the whole world hears. Let this be our battle cry So ready yourselves, ready yourselves Let us shine the light of Jesus in the darkest night Oh, ready yourselves, ready yourselves May the powers of darkness tremble as our breezes rise Until the whole world hears, Lord, we are calling out Lifting up your name for all to hear the sound Like voices in the wilderness, we're crying out As the day draws near, we sing until the whole world hears down now. Lifting up your name for all to hear the sound, yeah. Like voices in the wilderness, we're crying out. As the day draws near, we'll sing until the whole world hears. Oh, 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 oh. We'll sing until the whole world hears. 
Amen, amen. You got a job to do. Let's go get them.